Hi, I'm Chris, and welcome to Jubilee Fellowship Church. If this is your first time with us, you picked a great weekend to join us as we are celebrating our 15th anniversary as a church. JFC is a multi-site church with campuses in Castle Rock, Highlands Ranch, Lakewood, and Lone Tree. Join us as we go down memory lane to see where we've come from and then hear Pastor John talk about where we're going. In 1998, God gave our pastor, John Leach, the vision to start Jubilee Fellowship Church. What started out as a dream quickly turned into a reality as more and more people heard about what was happening at JFC. The life of God was there. From the elementary school to the storefront, the culture of JFC began to take shape. Fifteen years and four campuses later, the vision of being one church with many locations is truly happening. And everything was great until January of 1998. I had a dream. And I had to go to my pastor and tell him, I love you and nothing's wrong between the two of us, but I have to leave here. I can't stay here. I've got to go and do what God told me to do. plant as quick as we can here at the first of the year. And Jubilee is about recovering and discovering the promises of God. The past 15 years here at JFC have been nothing short of amazing. We've experienced God's provision year after year. We've seen miracles, lives changed and transformed, and thousands of people turned their hearts to Jesus. What does God have in store for us for the next 15 years? Hi church, how are you? Good to see you, glad you're here. I want to welcome all of our campuses, not just here at Lone Tree. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. Have my executive team and board members come and just step down here. I knew Chris, it. Come up and join your husband. Can't get by. How did you know, man? Is that a Hey, you know what? On behalf of the executive team and the board members of Jubilee Fellowship Church, we uh, have put together this little gift basket uh, because uh, of the blood, sweat, and tears, and maybe other. Um, organs that you've given uh, on behalf of, of the church. Um, uh, but uh, beyond the gifts, uh, I asked this team to just kind of share in five words or less, uh, because I was going to hand them the mic, but then you wouldn't get a chance to preach. So, so here's some of the things they said about each of you in five words or less. Pastor Chris loves family and loves church. She is the voice of reason. She is the friend, example, and she is faithful to this church and to this staff. She's a supporter. She's an encourager. She's a teacher. She's a voice of encouragement. She expects the best from us at all times. She demonstrates and reproduces excellence. She shows love, service, blessing, strength, and honor. And I thought this one summed it up really well for you, Pastor Chris. She's an angel sent from God. <laughs> Pastor John, here's God, leads, loves, is a friend, is a spiritual mentor, and is a friend. Most generous man I know. Shepherd, encourager, mentor. Models mercy and grace. Investing and modeling great leadership. Supporter, encourager, teacher. Faith in God and us. Gave me opportunities. Cares for me. Generosity, friend. And then some of them just said, for both of you. And I thought these were great. They've led to my salvation and my ministry calling changed history in my life. The most generous leaders ever. You know, the truth is, all of those things are absolute true of the two of you. And I want to personally say, Chris, 
um, beyond all of those things, the bottom line is this. This church is not where it's at 15 years later if it's not for you. I think John's probably selling cars somewhere, to be honest with you, if it wasn't for you. It goes unnoticed. It's completely in the background. But you support this man. You encourage this man. You lift this man up. And we are all better because of what you do in your ministry to this church. Pastor John, Pastor John. Yeah. For you, baby. They want to honor Pastor Chris Moore. down. Pastor John, um, all these things are true without a doubt, but here's the truth. You are our spiritual father. Everyone on this team, I think, would agree. You've spoken to our lives. You've called things into our lives that we never could have hoped for or imagined. We've known you, Kim and I now, for over 20 years and you've done it over and over and over again. Not only with the two of us, but with every single one of your staff. Up here is a small church, and it's just the executive team and the board members. Doesn't even include all of the staff. The stage isn't big enough to, to have everybody up here. But we are so appreciative of everything that you've given. And I know it's a huge toll, and it has been everything at times, um, bringing you to complete exhaustion. But it's worth it because you have become our spiritual father, our friend. Over and over they said, you're our friend. I'm not sure how you can be our boss and yet be our friend, but you are. You do an incredible job of that. And so um, on behalf of everybody listening, um, whether you get to see this live or you're seeing this via video, let's do, do me an honor and let's honor our pastors at all of our campuses, and let's just give them another big hand for 15 incredible years and another 15 coming. All right. So... In this basket, just so that everybody knows, in this basket are several gift cards that we know are going to just bless you guys, bless, bless, bless you guys. Um, we don't have the time, obviously, to go through and have you open them all, but just so that everybody knows, um, they are things that they cherish and, and things that they'll be able to use and love. And uh, Pastor John, if you don't know it by now, his love language is, is gift giving, and he likes to receive gifts, too. So there are a lot of gifts in here for him. And so once again, thank you. We love you guys so much, and good luck preaching now. Um, humbling. How about that? How, I'll give you some insights. So we go downstairs afterwards, all those people gathered in the office downstairs, and they said, open it up. And I said, I'd rather do it at home without anybody watching. They said, no, we're going to watch. Open it up. So we opened it up. Um, can I just tell you that my wife commandeered all of the gift cards except the Rocky Mountain Harley Davidson one. She had no use for that. So I got to keep that one. She actually was shopping last night already. It started. She was having a good time. Um, thank you. I don't know. Uh, I'm uncomfortable with things like that. Um, I try to deflect everything that I get towards a staff that I really feel like has earned it and made me look better than I am. Um, I, I never plan for our church to celebrate things like that. It was done without my knowledge. Had I known, I would have shut it down and said, no, don't do that. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not comfortable with making it about me at all, uh, but I thank you and I appreciate that you, um, that you care enough to do something like that and to, to even clap for us. Um, it really is more than just a person or two people, quite honestly. Uh, 
I, I guess maybe just goes this way to get the position, then you know you you get the good and you get the bad with it, and I guess you know take the good when it comes along. So thank you so much for doing that for us and for honoring us. It, it's really beyond expectation, far beyond expectation. Uh, if you would grab your notes, let's jump into this. Um, here's what's important in this message. We start a brand new series today that I hope will be a tide-turning time for our church. I really want to, I, I, I had several people in our teaching team compare it to the idea, the old cliche of taking a ship and trying to turn its direction. You can't do it immediately. You've got to begin and you arc it. It may take a little while. Maybe that's true, but here's what I know. I think that if we're going to turn a ship, if we're going to head a direction, if we're going to do something, there are two things that are going to be very true. Number one, I've got to steer it that way to begin with. If I don't steer it that way, no one else can. And then number two, if it is going to take a little while for it to take place, let it begin today. Let it begin this weekend. Let it begin with this series. And let's move towards the destiny that God has for us. Uh, I put in the opening statement right here. I want to welcome every one of our campuses, not just here at Lone Tree, but Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, Lone Tree, uh, uh, Lakewood. Those that are listening uh, via uh, the download right now and those that are live streaming, those that will hear it later on, however you're a part of the greater JFC family, we want to um, welcome you. There are two things that, that I become keenly aware of this weekend, and actually the truth of the matter is I've been aware of them for the past eight months. They've been on my mind, on my conscience. Uh, it's covered my prayers. It has, it has driven me to the point of, God, what do I do with this? What do you want me to do with this? What do I say to our church about this? So we come to then this place today where we celebrate 15 years, and it would be keenly aware first of a fact. It's not just simply a statistic. It is a fact that is out there. Uh, I'll repeat it to you. I've actually said it several times uh, in 2013, but I'll pinpoint it today, and then um, what I want to do about it. So the first thing is just simply this. There is a 15-year statistic or fact that's out there, and it has to do with this. The church is at 15 years either have to make a decision to move forward and stay relevant, or they tend to end up doing maintenance ministry and they actually sink backwards without knowing it. Now, the reason they don't know it is because they begin to perform maintenance ministry. And what you do after 15 years, uh, most churches, like ours, have accomplished a few things in 15 years. You can point to stuff. You get what I mean by that? People say, what have you done? We can point to stuff. We did this. We planted that. We support all these people. We've got all money going. So we, we can, last, last week, by the way, you gave in one offering $30,000 to Israel. The more's trickled in. I'm sure it'll be forty dollars or $50,000 by the time that it's done. Thank you. So we can point to things like that where we say we're, we're doing things for the kingdom of God. Here's the problem. Unless you stay forward thinking, unless you go, okay, that was great for the last 15 years, but what about the next 15 years? The tendency then would just be to rest and keep doing what we're doing. Even though it's good things, it actually becomes maintenance ministry. Does that make sense? Yeah. Any of you that have been married for any length of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You try so hard in the beginning. And you hit a place where you actually get it going, and it's easy just to kind of keep it going by not doing that much, but just keeping what you've been doing happening. Does that make sense? And you can point to stuff in your marriage like, okay, we're doing okay, but are you really? Is it really still passionate? Is it really still you're connected? Are you really still moving forward? Or have you just devolved into sort of a maintenance thing, and you're going through time and space? And then here's the problem with it. The name of the series is 2028. It represents the year 15 years from now. We started in 98, 15 years from now, I'll be 2028, 20, I'll be 65 years old. Now, if you're 65, forgive me for what I'm about to say. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me. But at 65, I don't want to be relevant. I actually want to be eccentric when I'm 65. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to have to do what everybody else wants me to do. That's exactly right. I want to ride that motorcycle whenever I want to ride that motorcycle. I might even drive a Cadillac, I don't know. Maybe I'll split my time between here and Hawaii. You know, you say that, you may never do it, but at least you can say it. But I don't plan on having to worry about whether or not I'm moving forward. In fact, at that time, I hope I coast a little bit. How about that? But then here's the issue. What do I do between now and that time? I want to move forward. I want to be relevant. It's important that our church stays in a place where it's hearing from God and moving on that, not resting on its laurels and saying, okay, look at all the stuff that we have going on. Do you get what I'm saying? So then it's just called the 15-year rule, and churches either move into a place at 15 years where they stay relevant and they continue to move forward, or it becomes maintenance and they move backwards. And you know the problem is they don't even know they're moving backwards. Then they become very defensive of what they're doing. It's one of the ways you know that a church is in maintenance mode, when they become very defensive, when no one can talk about what they're doing. When talking about what someone's doing and it upsets the church, then you recognize that's become the sacred cow. 
I don't know if you catch what I'm saying. So then let me move to two. The second thing that I'm keenly aware of, the first one is just, in my mind, God is pressing me. Here's the second one. An area that I want JFC to do better in the next 15 years are these two things. I want us to become better at community and better at discipleship. If you said to me or asked me the question, hey, do you think the last 15 has been relevant and has done good? Yeah, there are many things I would point to that I would say to other churches, do it like this. Love Israel. Give away 25% of your budget to missions. Hire people from within your church. Don't go outside like the Nuggets and try to put together a team. It doesn't work good. Raise up your own people who chose you. Invest in them and then put them in positions. Because if they picked you, they'll stay around for a long time. But if you pick them, the next highest bidder will get their attention. That make sense? You know, whenever we have movement inside of our church, someone says, hey, I'm going on to something else. We can bless that, but then we have great things like this. Then I can look. We've got a farm club inside of our church. I've got worship leaders. I can move in and around at any given time. They were great, weren't they? They're awesome. I mean, come on. That's, that, it takes 15 years to get there. Can't do that overnight. So there are many things I would say, we've done well, but here's what I think we need to do better. Community has not happened the way that I want it to happen inside of our church. Too many people come, listen to a message, and can leave here, and it's their only interaction with the people of this church for an entire week. And in fact, for many, it's their only interaction with God for an entire week. That grieves me. That bothers me. I'm not okay with that, and I can't go home and pretend like everything's okay. My job is I'll stand before God and answer for it, so I've got to say to you this morning, in 15 years, we've got to go deeper. We've got to get in community. It's got to be about looking like Jesus. When we're done here, it should not be, wow, I got more information. It should be, I'm more like Jesus now when I walk out of that place. Now, here's the point. You can't just listen to a message and have that happen to you. It happens in community with other believers as you work it out. For some of us, we're freaked out, but I've been burned and I've been hurt, and I don't know if I want to open up like that. That's church. That's what church is. It's messy. It is. Look, the last 15 years, today, today looks so refined. We show a video. The preacher's got on his jacket. Did you see what I wore last night? My tennis shoes. It was messy. In the last 15 years, my goodness, if you knew the amount of mistakes that were made. Uh, you know, here's, here's the difference between 15 years ago and right now. 15 years ago, I was 35, and I knew everything. Everything. I had every answer to every question. You, you didn't even have to have a question. I had an answer. Now, today at 50, how much do I know? Maybe that much right there. I'm reluctant to have an answer for everything anymore. I'd rather just get in, mix it up, figure it out as we go along. Does that make sense? I've become really comfortable with not having an answer. Let's wrestle it out. Let's walk it out. If we really are family, we're not going to get a divorce. We're going to walk on through this. That's what I found. So I sit and I talk these things, and I know that it speaks deep to the heart of people. I know God puts eternity inside our hearts so that when we speak of eternal things, things that matter eternally, it speaks to a place in our life where we go, yes, yes, I want that. We may not know how to get there, but we go, I want that. So then I put at the transition point, let me give you three things that surprised me the most in the past 15 years of pastoring a church. They may not be the things you would think. They may not be the most obvious things, but they're the things as I sat down. Here was the deal. When I got with the teaching team this past week, I had already written the message for this weekend the week before. And I looked at that message, and I thought, that may be the most boring message I've ever written in 15 years. So I threw it on the table in front of the entire teaching team, and I said, this sucks. (laughs) I'm 50. I'll say what if I want to say. So... There are so many things that go through my head that I, wanna, that I just want to say. I just, some of it's antagonistic to people I know that would be intentionally offended by that, and I want to offend you. <laughs> some things haven't changed. Transition, three things that surprised me in those past 15 years. Here's the first one. See if you can agree with this. God's faithfulness to me in 15 years. There were times I would look around and I would think to myself, we won't be here next week. When we started in particular, I remember there were days where I would look at it, there would be 20 people or 30 people, and I would think we could close the doors, go away, and nobody would even know we were here. That's a scary place to be at. Not only is it scary just like what will happen to us, but it's scary because I thought I could go do anything and nobody would care. I could mess up and it wouldn't matter to anybody. It's a scary place to live your life at. 
Do you hear what? I, it is a lie, but it was the place that was a very real place to me at the time. The devil's a great liar at whatever stage of life you're in, isn't he? He tailors the lie to the place in life that you are. One of the lies was that nobody cares that we're here. My wife would tell me this. I'd come home, and I'd be so upset that the telephone had not rung one time all day long. And she would go, why don't you enjoy that right now? <laughs> Remember, they called her the voice of reason. She would say to me, enjoy that, because the day will come when you'll wish you didn't have a telephone. And that's been true for about 12 years now. She, she is the voice of reason. <laughs> I've quit to my wife probably 250 times in 15 years. She doesn't accept my resignation. <laughs> 2 Timothy 2.13. You know, if you're here for the first time today, look at this scripture. If you've been here the whole 15 years, look at this scripture. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. Read the last part with me. Disown himself. You know, I get asked the question from time to time, can a person lose their salvation? How far is too far? How far do you go before God just disowns you? Here's maybe my answer to that. I realize it's debatable. You may feel different. Maybe you were raised different. Let me just give you an example. I have five children. Each of the five are doing five different things in life right now. Each of the five have their own personalities. They're at different places spiritually. They're at different places belief-wise right now. They're all trying to get to the same place. They all love God, but they're all in different places. Does that make sense? But no matter what they do, no matter how far they go, no matter where they are in the world, and right now they're spread out all over the world, listen to this, they all have my DNA in them. No matter what they do, they'll never get rid of my DNA. And if I as a human can love my children and recognize it that way, the Bible says if we love our children as humans, it's evil compared to how God loves us. And if I won't deny my own children, what makes you think your heavenly father would deny you? Here we have a scripture that says even if we're unfaithful, he remains faithful because he can't disown himself. If you're in him, he could never disown you. So what does that cause us to do? Go out and live any way we want to? No, it should cause us to love him more and give our lives to him further. It's not a license to go do what you want to. It's actually a covenant that you bow your knee to. God who loves me enough that no matter what I do, he won't turn his back on me. It doesn't make me do those things. It makes me hate those things so that I love him further. Does that make sense? The faithfulness of God, I can tell you I've experienced it in 15 years. I've experienced it in the ups and downs of pastoring. I've experienced it in the ups and downs of finances, the ups and downs of family, the ups and downs of death. Don't want to turn this into a morose time. Some of the most difficult times in my life I've walked through as a pastor, the death of young people without explanation for it. Having to stand up and be pastor. I remember a guy telling me, now you actually get to be pastor. It wasn't in preaching a message. It wasn't in preparing a vision. It was in walking with people who were so hurt and grieved that they didn't even know where God was during that time. And I got to be God to them. Not supernatural, flesh and blood. I just loved them, just walked with them. Does that make sense? You know, I said it in the video, you saw it there. I've tried to repeat it often. Before we ever started the church, here's what the Lord told me as a prophetic word about this church. JFC will be a place where people can discover and recover the promises of God. Can I read it one more time? JFC will be a place where people can discover and recover the promises of God. When I wrote that down, I literally heard that from God. I was by myself. I wrote it down. I thought I'm going to incorporate that in the church because to me, here's what it meant. If you discover God's promises, you're on the coming end of the field. And if you recover the promises of God, you've probably been around for a long time, so long that maybe the enemy's stolen things from you. But nonetheless, it means we get a church that's pretty eclectic. I said last week, it's got to be the second biggest Catholic church in the area. <laughs> Somebody wrote me a letter this last week, and they were ticked at me for having the candles up here. This is what they said to me. Seems like some kind of Catholic cult. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Catholic cult. Yeah. Has nothing to do with Catholicism. It has nothing to do with a cult. It's simply a place 
that if you want to go and pray, it's a good place to pray because Jesus is the light of the world and it represents that. If you're lighting a candle, you're not lighting it to a saint, to God's mother, or a prayer to some abstract idea. Jesus is the light of the world. And if you're in a dark circumstance, nothing is better than the light of the world. If you're not there, criticize all you want to. But if you are there, I embrace you. And I love you and I will defend you and I will protect you at this church. Hmm. Let me give you the second one that surprised me over the years, how much fun it is to pastor this church. Now, let me tell you why. <laughs> I put right below that an illustration. When I wanted to start the church, I was an associate pastor. The only senior pastor I really had contact with was my senior pastor. My senior pastor was like, stay here, I'm going to retire and take over this church. And I said, I can't do that. God has called me to leave here. I'm supposed to go and plant a church. It's supposed to be brand new. I have a different vision. It's not that yours is wrong, but God has given me something else. But my only inroad to another senior pastor was, was that pastor. So I went outside and I contacted several different churches in Loveland, Fort Collins area. And I asked senior pastors, would you meet with me? I'll buy lunch, coffee, whatever you want. I just want to ask a few questions. So I remember meeting with this pastor who was right close to his retirement. And I sat him down. Um, he wanted coffee. I buy the coffee. We sit down. He goes, in real gruff, what do you want? And I said, I just want to talk to you about starting a church. And he goes, well, why in the world would you want to start a church? I knew it wasn't going the right direction at that point. <laughs> so I said, I, I try to tell him the God factor, what God has spoken to me in a dream and what I felt like and what I had and what I was willing to give up to follow God. And this is what the guy will never, this guy goes just like this. Whatever you do, do not start a church. And I'm, I'm sort of taken back at it. You know, I'm like, uh, why? And he goes, because within five years, the associate pastor will steal that church from underneath you. And if he's unsuccessful, the best thing that'll happen, it will split your church and you will spend 25 or 30 years in misery. And I'm looking at this guy thinking, you poor pastor. Now, I realize some guys have that experience right there. I, I, I'm not denying that that doesn't exist, but I was undeterred. I had heard something from God, and I didn't let this man's experience become my experience. I had to push that aside. Now, trust me, the devil used that big time, but I had to push that aside. We still planted this church. Here's what I found. I have actually had a great time pastoring this church. Here's the truth. Some of my best friends in the world go to church here. I hang out with them, I play golf with them, we ride motorcycles together, we drink coffee together, we joke. When I get done preaching, you can't believe the amount of texts I get with people who are insulting me and they're my best friends. <laughs> Every mistake I make, they even videotape it and send it to me. <laughs> nice. I get them back, don't worry. <laughs> Trust me, there are many, many ways. But it, my best friends in the world, pastor with me. I, I, I so enjoy, our pastors, our story is different. We are blessed to pastor here. Every one of these pastors chose to be here. No one was compelled or forced to be here. Yes. So we wake up every day with the knowledge, we got to choose to do this. How many people can say that about what they're doing with their life? Yeah. Yep. Oh, it is a great word. Because I wonder when I say that, how many people, the, the, the filter goes on and we begin to think about, I went to school, I picked it based on how much money I can make, and then 30 years later, I'm jammed into something, I can't move this way, I can't move that way, and i got to finish the course because I'm locked and loaded with everything around me. I get it. Yep. But here's what I know, man. I got to choose to do this, and I love it. I love my people. I love good or bad. I'm willing to take both, knowing that it comes with the territory. Here's what I've learned. Sheep can bite. But you know why? Hurt people hurt people. So what did God call me to? Sometimes it's to hurt people. Sometimes it's the willingness to come along somebody who's hurting because I believe there can be a tomorrow. They may not believe that, but I believe that. And so sometimes it's just enough to have to put my arm around them and walk them through that. Do we have success 100%? No way. Not a, I, don't, I don't stand up here to... I'm just not that smart. I wish I was. I wish I knew how to fix every single problem. Sometimes the problem is beyond my ability as a human to fix. It's really God's problem, isn't it? But I know this. Every one of us 
Chris and I sat on the couch yesterday before I came down, not knowing that this was planned, having no idea. And I looked at her before I walked out of the house. I'm sorry. Before I walked out of the house and I told her, you know how blessed we are, don't you? She said, do you? I said, I know. I know. We are blessed to be your pastors. I wrote this before I knew of any celebration. Before I knew what your response would be. Before I watched it on video. I wrote it because I wanted to tell you how blessed I feel to be your pastor. You know what I'm really sorry about? I went to a newcomer's meeting on Wednesday night and met people that had been here for years that I had never met before. And I was sorry that I never met those people that go to my church. And they stood there after years, never having met me before. And this is what they told me. This church has changed my life. You don't know what you mean to me. You don't know how that makes me feel. I feel I should have been a better pastor. They could have cursed me. They could have said, you're, you're a hard man to get a hold of. You're a tough guy to track down. But instead, they tell me how much they love me. I'm blessed. Thank you. Thank you for coming to JFC. Thank you for putting up with all the stuff. Thank you for listening to a pastor who's still learning. You know, I had a board meeting this last weekend, and I had to confess to my board, I'm 50 years old, and I'm still trying to figure it out every week. Anybody? (laughs) I feel you. (laughs) Let me give you the third one that surprises me. The power of longevity. This is one... You cannot learn. Any pastor that happens to tune in this weekend, maybe you're here visiting. You know, we have, at one point, I don't know how true it is right now. I know we have a lot. But at one point, I had over 100 ex-pastors that attended JFC. 100. Without ever advertising, asking for, wanting that. God sent them here because it's a place to recover and discover the promises of God. Many of them were just passing through. They just needed a place to rest where nobody was beating on them. And JFC offered a shelter to pastors. Any pastor that happens to be passing through, resting for a little while, maybe feeling called in a direction, this direction, let me say this to you. Here's what I have learned in 15 years of pastoring this church and in 27 years of ministry. Deuteronomy 34.7 is a scripture that God gave me recently. Look at this. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Now, it's not that part. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. How many of you would like to go out that way when it's your time to go out? Be honest with me. If you had to pray any prayer about what it looks like when you're done, do you want to go out that way? Here's what I know. When I'm done here, I want it to be said, he didn't coast to the finish line. I want it to be said, he worked as hard on the last day as he did on the first day. His strength was not diminished, and his sight or his vision was not dimmed. That's how I want to go out. So here's the power of longevity. A good buddy of mine named Greg Surratt, who's been a mentor to me, who happened to be in town this week, and I had no idea he was going to be here. He lives in South Carolina, has one of the best churches in America. He happened to be here for Terry and Brenda's 40th anniversary. So he came to church last night. I didn't know he was going to be here. I quoted him. This is his quote. This is what Greg said at a conference I was at not too long ago. It was brilliant. We tend to overestimate what God can do with us in the short term and underestimate what God can do with us in the long term. We live in a microwave, fast food, Christianity, America. This will all happen in five minutes. I pray a prayer, I move, I pay my tithe, I move up to the window, and God gives me a bag with my request in it. No. (laughs) Doesn't work that way. Anybody serve God long enough to know that doesn't work that way. The confusing thing is every once in a while you pray and it does work that way. But mostly it doesn't work that way, does it? Change happens daily, not in a day. You measure it over the long term. You measure it over the distance. I can measure 15 years, and I can see the lives we've changed, the impact that we've had, the people that have come to Christ. I can count them. We measure. Why do we measure? Because people matter to God. That's why we measure. 
I can measure. But if I measured what we did in the first couple of years or even the first five, let me tell you the truth. I feel like the first 10 years out of 15 was nothing more than trying to establish a church that was going to be here. I was more worried the first 10 years that if something happened to me, the church would be in trouble. Maybe that was true at a time, but it's not true any longer. I don't feel that. If something happened to me, you're in great hands. You have many pastors that I have poured into who are more than able and capable to stand up here and lead this church at this point. It's the truth of the matter. So now what does that mean for me? It means I get to actually do the thing I want to do, which is this. I get to affect the next 15 years of this church rather than worry about the day-to-day if we're going to be here tomorrow. Does that make sense? Okay, it's the most overused illustration ever. Forgive me for using it one more time. But the college professor with his incoming freshman class with the three glass jars, and he sits there and he fills them all up with big rocks to the top and then asks the students, are the jars full? And they all say, yes. So he pulls out gravel and dumps the gravel in, and it's smaller than the big rocks, so it makes its way around the rocks, and he shakes it, gets it full. Is it full now? And they answer, yes. So he pulls out sand, and sand being smaller molecules yet, fits in around the gravel and around the big rocks. Is it full now? Yes. Then he takes out water, and he's able to pour a pitcher of water into each of the jugs. Now he's got it to the very brim with big rocks, gravel, sand, and water, and he asks the question, is it full? And they say, yes, and he goes... What does it mean? Because of the society we live in, one yells out, no matter how full your life is, there's always room for one more thing, right? How many of you feel like we live that way right there? I'll just do one more thing. I'll add one more thing. I'll put in one more thing. And pretty soon you can't put it in anymore, can you? And this is what he said. You got the wrong idea. Unless you get the big things in first, it's really difficult to put them in later. Boy, that's brilliant theology on the front side of the jars. But it really stinks if on the back side of the jars you can't get the things in that you want to get in. Yes or no? So I'm sitting here looking at this like, man, I used that stupid illustration so many times when we started this church. Now I'm sorry I ever said it. Because now there's things that I don't think we're doing to the degree we can be doing it. And because we didn't do it, I can't get the big things in there. And the Lord gives me a vision. Take the jars, pick them up, turn them upside down, shake them out, put it back down, and put the things back in there that you want to put back in there. Who's stopping you? Who's keeping you from doing what you want to do? The devil convinces us of so many things. Sometimes your own brain's your worst enemy. Here's the good news. No matter where you are with God, it is not your past, but it is where you're going in the future that he's paying attention to. He doesn't see you for where you were. He sees you for where you're going. And if you, you stop yourself sometimes, God's not stopping you. So then I go to Terry. Here's a man who has spent, listen, he just celebrated his 40th anniversary. He's been in the ministry 30 some odd years. Listen to this information. The guy has, he has done more in ministry. He's forgotten more in ministry than I've ever done. (laughs) He's done a brilliant job around our church. And I looked at him and I said, Terry, you are a connector. You have that gift more than anybody else on my staff. You are the glue that holds things together. Give up everything that you've been good at and come and do a new job for me. A job without definition. Well, maybe without being defined at this point. Here's here's your mission. We need to be in deeper relationship. Make that happen. (laughs) 15 years from now, I want everybody in the church to look more like Jesus. Go, boy. That's a hard job, man. How do you measure that? How do you define that? What does that look like? So the poor guy's like, I mean, you don't know. You do not know all the Tuesday mornings on my porch at 7 o'clock. Terry has written out all this whole thing. He goes like, that's not it. I mean, at one point, I'll just do more small groups. And I'm like, it's not about going and doing something. It's about being something. Yes, yes, that's it, John. It's about being something. Write that down. (laughs) So I wrote down in my notes, listen, you need to be comfortable with this because I'm comfortable with this. This is the truth. Let me redefine our vision. Very quickly, this becomes very important. When I started this church, uh, at the time, all the business books read like this. Write a mission statement, write a vision statement, and have a business plan that you can explain to people what you're doing. Guys, spent so much time doing that. Here's what I really needed to be doing. What is God saying to me today to do? Yes. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So... I wrote down this little fancy sentence, 
16 years ago. Here was, here was the mission statement. We plant churches so the maximum number of people can taste the bread of life. Most people read that and go, oh, that's neat, but no one can remember it. <laughs> so I walk around with it in my head, but nobody in my church can really read something about uh, bread and hungry. <laughs> I think he's trying to start a bakery. <laughs> well, in a way I am. He is the bread of life. Come and eat. But that's not really it. So then this past week, it's actually been going on for a few weeks, I challenged my executive team. I said, take this vision statement. You can only use four words to describe it. Four words. I will not accept five. It has to be four. Why four? Because I want it to be portable so that you can hear it and take it out of here. If you can't repeat it, who cares if we have a vision statement? Who cares? Do you get what I'm saying? Say, if you don't know what it is, what difference does it make? We all feel good and you're like... I need some bread. <laughs> Man, we rest. you would be surprised how pastors can fight when it's their idea that they're trying to get out. I love it. I'm like a referee. I'll tell one, no, that's not good enough. Oh, my, you should see how red they turn. You sh- I, I'll just leave it there. Here's what we came up with. Here's what 15 years looks like and what we'll do. Plant churches, make disciples. Is that portable? Say it with me. Plant churches, make disciples. Inside of that will be all the ministries of JFC. Every Bible study falls under the idea of discipleship. Yes? Every relationship falls under the idea of discipleship. Everything Terry needs to do is the back part of that. The front part of it is what I'll worry about. I will help to plant churches and make room. By the way, Parker Campus may come online here very quickly. Now, I've said that three times in the past. I wouldn't believe me either. I did plant something. It wasn't been Parker, but Parker may come on real quick here. We're messing with something right now. Here's what's important. This is what I want you to go. I don't have all the answers for this today. Look me in the eye. I don't have all the answers for this today. But you recognize making a decision and having an answer are sometimes two different things, right? Sometimes we're just required to make a decision. I'm going to follow God. And then we get the answer. And if you have to have the answer before you can make the decision, I bet you don't do much in your life. I bet you're a frustrating stump of a person. I bet your spouse has to figure out how to move around you. You still love me? I'll be here 15 years from now. You, you don't count. 15 years from now. Bro, I could have preached anything and you'd be like, yeah, I'm with you. I feel you. I'm, you're my man. I know. I know. I know you got my back. But I'm asking these people over here who may not have my back. (laughs) You got me? (laughs) You can't script that. You can't put that together. I never went to him and said, now listen, at this point in the message, I want you to yell out like Robin did. So I don't have all the answers to this, but here's what I know. I am listening to God, and I am taking the next step today. I've got to turn something. It's, it's become very easy to come and listen to a message, to embrace a message or embrace a church, and that's good, and I commend you for that, and I want you to keep doing that, but I want you to take one more step. I want you to trust me. One of my board members said this past week to me, maybe the most prophetic thing that he ever said to me, I respect him so much, and this is what he said to me. I, I, I wrote it down. I mean, I don't even want to butcher it. The best predictor of future performance is past performance, good or bad. Yeah. Now, that's not always, listen, in Christ, that's not always true because our past doesn't define us. Our future does. Yeah. But overall, when it comes to how things are, the way a person has responded the last 15 years is pretty much what you can look at and go, pretty much that's what it's going to be like 15 years from now. If you trust me as a leader, trust me right now. Even if I cannot tell you every answer to this, take a walk with me. Journey with me. Let's do life together. Gordo, let's do life together, man. I'm looking out right now at people I know that this church has changed lives in 15 years. Some of the people sit here, I, I can tell their story. I know their story. 
I know their story. And I'm so glad I know their story. It made pastoring worth it. The takeaway today would just be this. Believe. Just start there. If you can't do anything else, maybe you've been burned by some place you've been. Maybe you're coming out of something. I met a couple Wednesday night who were coming out of church where they've been so burned with legalism, so burdened down with the law, and they come in here so suspicious of everything that they see. Can it really be that fun to serve God? <laughs> no, we're tricking you. <laughs> we're just getting you to laugh before we smack you in the back of the head, tie you up, and throw you downstairs with the babies. Stop it. <laughs> believe. Believe. Just believe. Yeah. Just believe. Believe God's good. Amen. Believe that he would send a church to help you. Amen. Believe that you've got pastors who don't know it all, who have not figured it all out, but they are genuine. Yes. They are genuine. They're not trying to rip you off. They're not trying to steal from you. They're not trying to present themselves as something that's unobtainable. We're all in the same boat together. Here's the truth. We all want to get to heaven. We all are in the same boat together right now. Don't care what your background is. Don't care where you came from. Here's the one thing we have to agree on. Let's love Jesus together over the next 15 years. If we do that, it'll be okay. Wherever we are in 15 years, it'll be okay. Believe. Here's the second one. Become. We're all becoming right now. We're in process. We're changing. We're not there yet. No one's there yet. No one's arrived. No one can say, hey, it's fully done. I'm complete at this point. I don't need this. I'm past this. I'm older than you. Who do you think you are to tell me? I'm your pastor. That's who I be. You know, the Bible says actually cooperate, make it easier on me. Thank you, three people. You're the three I'm going out with next week. Uh, here's the one that I want you to see. Like, we're all trying to go to one place. We want to be like Jesus. So believe, become, be like Here's what I want. If I could ask for anything, it would not be, it would not be gifts. Uh, I'm capable to go buy myself a gift. I, I wouldn't ask you for anything financial whatsoever. Here's what I would ask you for. Journey with me right now. Let's become more like Jesus. Let's commit. I know we're all a different place. Look, I know. I know you all right now are having to process this message from the place you are at life. Here's what God is really good at. For every place you are in life, that's where God will come and minister to you at, right? We don't have to all come to the same place before we're all able to move forward. We can all move forward from the place we're at because of Jesus. Let's become like Jesus. So if it's your first day here, there's no hidden agenda. I want you to look like Christ. We think Jesus is the ultimate person to aim your life like. And if you've been here for 15 years or you come from a church where you've been there for 35 years and God brought you here, hear me on this one. Let's become like Jesus now. Let's don't rest on what we did. Let's become more like him now. There's still more to learn. Get a Caleb spirit and don't quit now on me. Move on, man. Grab hold. Press on. Pour it all out. Finish with your strength undiminished and your vision not dimmed. My friend, that's where you finish life at. Do that. Do that. Hmm. I'm done. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, commit this message to you and all that you want to do and all that you want to say and all that, God, we hold out hope for the next 15 years of. You have the right to direct, change, move, edit, cross out, add to, Everything that we do is to honor you and to glorify you and to lift up the name of Jesus. We want you to go higher and higher and higher. Jonathan said it when he was leading worship. If Jesus is lifted up, he draws people unto himself. God, we don't want people to be drawn unto a church or drawn unto an idea or a mission or a vision. We want people to be drawn unto Jesus. May we never deviate, vary, or change course from that. But anything that is keeping us from going deeper in that, we are willing to change. We're willing to alter. We're willing to move towards. Folks, can this just be your prayer? Can I just pray a prayer that's inclusive of all of us right now? God, move our lives. Change what needs to be changed. 
strengthen what is good, add to what is missing. But when it's all said and done, let us look more like Jesus. Father, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity to serve you together. Thank you, God, for the next 15 years ahead of time. If we do it afterwards, it's gratefulness. If we do it ahead of time, it's prophetic. So we thank you right now. Thank you for faithfulness. Thank you for where we'll be in 15 years. Thank you for never leaving us, never forsaking us, never turning your back on us, for drawing us closer and closer and into your goodness. And I praise you for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet if you would. Our worship pastors will come to close our service. Just, just these things. We dedicate this time finishing plenty early so that you can engage with God. Don't just hurry out the door. Don't just make it back to your car and get home or get to a restaurant or on with your day. Take the next few minutes and engage with God. The life change happens as we touch Him. Engage with Him right now. If you come here this morning and it's your first time, second, third, or whatever, you don't know Him, but you're intrigued now. Something inside of you. When I said God puts eternity in our hearts, you hear a message and you're drawn to it. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and He speaks to you and He draws you into truth, the Bible says. So we don't want you to commit to a church. We don't want you to commit to a pastor. We want you to commit to Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Him, what would I say to you? Ask Him to reveal Himself to you. Ask Him this morning for His mercy. Ask Him for His grace. Ask Him for His life. Ask Him for His help. I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know your background, but what I said is true. God will meet you where you are if you turn and call on Him right now. Call on His name. You go, man, I don't even know how to do that. How about this? Jesus? Help me, forgive me, be merciful to me. I'm far away, I want to come home, I need you. There's no right or wrong way to say it, just say it. Humble yourself and say it. If you do that, here's what my Bible says, my God will come to you like a metal to magnet. <laughs> he waits like this. It's a two-party system. He's in agreement right now. Come into agreement with him. God, help me. God, I need you. Watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do. You're blessed. I love you. I commit you to this time. Enjoy connecting with God.